going to have to teach with me tonight because I'm not planning on teaching by myself. So that means you too, Betty. You have to say amen when I say something good. I know that may not be very often. <laughs> tonight our topic is the great journey. The great journey. There is a great journey that we're going to talk about tonight. If you have been born again, Jesus said you must be born of water and spirit to enter into the kingdom. If you've been born again, then your greatest journey is the one from here to eternity. Okay? It's, the, it's not going to, to Disney World, and your greatest journey, uh, Nathan, is not going to Branson for Nationals. Your greatest journey is that journey from right here, right now, this moment, until you hear the Lord say, well done. That's the journey. And in that process, God's given us a, 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 some help, and God's given us... Uh, Romans 8, 29 says that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we have some baby steps and some, some things that the Scripture teaches us on this journey that we are to do. So I don't want to be, I don't want to come short on this journey. And so tonight we're going to talk about some obstacles and we're going to talk about some help and some coaching that Jesus gives us. Our destination is heaven, our path is straight, and our trials are many. That's a good place for an amen. The saints should be our support, the pastor should be our under-shepherd, and the reward should be our incentive to keep going. Another place for amen. I'll tell you, I'll just signal when it's time, okay? <laughs> Loving, praying, fasting, and staying in the Scripture should be our routine. Growth, maturity, and wisdom should be our desire. Victory should be our only option. Get it? I got an amen table right up here, and Dave joined in. Thank you for that. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, Abraham, the Bible says he sojourned. That's kind of like journey, right? He sojourned, but the Bible says that he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, we got some advantage on, 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 on the friend of God. We have some something he didn't have, right? You know what we have? We have the Holy Ghost. Abraham didn't have the Holy Ghost. We have remission of sins. If we've been obedient to, to the gospel of Christ, where Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, so we can have our sins washed away. Abraham didn't have that. We have uh, Jesus as an example. We have the things that are recorded about him in his word. He is our example. He is our role model. Abraham didn't have that. So we've got many, many advantages over Abraham who sojourned, and he was on, was he on a journey? He was on a journey. Well, I'm on a journey, okay? John chapter 1, verse 23, and Brother Kevin's just going to, going to, uh, I'm going to trust him that he's reading my thing and flipping that slide when he's supposed to flip it, okay? I know this is, y'all don't brag on me about that. That's excellent, excellent PowerPoint presentation, artwork and all that stuff, but uh, I did that myself. Brother, brother Nate didn't come over and help. No, but yeah, there you go. So let's talk about this journey, which I'm also going to refer to it as the way. And the scripture refers to it as the way. And we start off with the very beginning of the New Testament and John the Baptist. And he says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And then Jesus comes on the scene in John 14 and 6. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by 
me. So we have the forerunner of Christ talking about Jesus being the way and to make straight the way. And then we have Christ coming on the scenes. So Jesus gives us some pretty uh, detailed explanation of this, of this journey or this way in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says this, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. Many there be that go in there at, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Few there be that find it. So what do we have up here? I don't know if you can see this. Can, I, can you see me on the, uh, okay, this is broad, right? Look, look where it's headed, like a fire. Look here. See what that is? That's straight and narrow. It's a pretty good depiction of what Jesus is talking about in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. So we, we want to, when we're born again, if you're, not, if you're not born again, some of this may not make sense to you tonight, but just, just stay with me and um, we'll pray that God will open our eyes to all this. If you are born again, you need to be looking at that little straight and narrow thing saying, that's what I got to stay on. Uh, we're on this journey. And uh, from where we are right this moment, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Tonight, the lesson should be very interesting to everyone in this room uh, because it's about your life. It's about the most important journey, a great journey in your life. Now, I find it very strange that other practices and other organizations study their enemies. The boxer, you know, he watches film. You know, uh, military, they got spy ships and satellites and spy submarines, and they've got now China's got this big billion dollar spy thing in Cuba that we just found out about this week. And in the military thing, you spy on your enemy. It's, it's a good thing, right? And when you're playing sports, uh, they, they do a lot of physical. They run and they practice or whatever. But what do they do when, they, when they're doing the mental part? They're watching film. What are they watching film of? The team they're going to play. So I find it, politics, how, what was Watergate? It was one side trying to figure out what the other side was doing. I was, I was too young to remember that, but, okay. <laughs> so in politics, in, in sports, in military, it's, you would be considered a, a dummy, an idiot, if you didn't try to find out stuff about your enemy. Or you have an enemy on this great journey. And I find it very strange that it, it, it seems like that the born-again believers don't really pursue too much uh, what I need to know about my enemy. Am I going to get sucker punched today, Betty? Has the enemy got a trap set for me? What are the traps? What are the obstacles? What are the uh, weapons that the enemy has against me? And so tonight we're going to get into the Word and I'm going to start now. I don't want y'all going out and telling Pastor that uh, Brother Bruce is teaching from a different book besides the Bible. Okay? So look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to tell Pastor. <laughs> but we are going to read something from a book that's not in the Bible. And it's only because the Lord led me there. And this book um, is written by a guy named John Bunyan. Anybody ever heard of John Bunyan? Not Paul Bunyan. I know y'all. He's a, He was the... Uh, he was the... Uh, log man. Okay, but y'all know who John Bunyan, I knew David would. John Bunyan, he was born in 1628, so back up about 400 years, 1628. He died in 1688, so he only lived to be 60 years old. Uh, he lived in England. He was a preacher. 
He was a Puritan. Uh, many think that he had some Calvinistic beliefs. I don't know what he taught about salvation. I don't know what he taught about a lot of things, but I found his book very interesting. He also, this got some respect for me, for John Bunyan. He served 12 years in prison for preaching uh, the Bible. So he only lived 60 years, but 12 of them were behind bars because he preached from uh, the Bible, God's Word. Okay, <clears throat> so John Bunyan's book, y'all are all sitting on the edge. You see, the you know, name of it is Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you, Brother Dave. And so now I'm going to turn it over to my wife. Now, what she, she's going to take a little while to read it. And anybody that I see going to sleep, yeah, I'm going to come over and write your name down and turn it over to Pastor. But she's going to read and it's going to take her a little while to read it because, and this is a short Cliff Notes uh, review of Pilgrim's Progress. So it's going to take her about 10 minutes to read it. So don't check out because it's, this is core to what we're going to do after she gets through. Okay, thank you. Um, the work is a symbolic vision of the good man's pilgrimage through life. At one time, second only to the Bible in popularity, the Pilgrim's Progress is the most famous Christian allegory still in print. Who's read it? Several of you have read it. John Bunyan explains that he fell asleep in the wilderness and dreamed of a man named Christian who was tormented by spiritual anguish. A spiritual guide named Evangelist visits Christian and urges him to leave the city of destruction. Evangelist claims that salvation can only be found in the celestial city known as Mount Zion. Christian begs his family to accompany him unsuccessfully. On his way, Christian falls into a bog called the Sloth of Despond. Anybody ever been there? But he is saved. He meets worldly wise man who urges him to lead a practical, happy existence without religion. Do you hear that on a daily basis? Refusing, Christian is sheltered in Goodwill's house. Goodwill tells Christian to stop by the interpreter's home where Christian learns many lessons about faith. Walking along the wall of salvation, Christian sees Christ's tomb and cross. At this vision, his burden falls to the ground. What was that burden? Sin. One of the three shining ones, the celestial creatures, hands him a roll certificate for entry into the celestial city. Christian falls asleep and loses his certificate. Since the certificate is his ticket into the celestial city, Christian reproaches himself for losing it. After retracing his tracks, he eventually finds the certificate. Walking on, Christian meets the four mistresses of the palace beautiful who provide him shelter. They also feed him and they arm him. After descending the valley of humiliation, ever been there? Christian meets the monster Apollyon, who tries to kill him. Christian is armed, and he strikes Apollyon with a sword. Thank God for a sword. And then proceeds through the desert-like valley of the shadow of death toward the celestial city. Christian meets Faithful, a traveler from his hometown. Faithful and Christian are joined by a third pilgrim. Oh, no. Guess what their name is? Talkative. 
<laughs> whom Christian spurns, evangelist arrives and warns faithful and Christian about the wicked town of vanity, which they will soon enter. Evangelist foretells that either Christian or faithful will die in vanity. The two enter vanity and visit its famous fair. They resist temptation and they are mocked by the townspeople. Eventually, the, cities, the citizens of vanity imprison Christian and faithful for mocking their local religion. Faithful defends himself at his trial and is executed, rising to heaven after death. Christian is remanded to prison but later escapes and continues his journey. Another fellow pilgrim named Hopeful befriends Christian on his way. Is it important to have hope? What's hope do? What's it enter into? Beyond that veil, huh? Into that miraculous. On their way, oh, I got to preach a little bit, I'm sorry. On their journey, a pilgrim who uses religion as a means to get ahead in the world, named by ends, crosses their path. Christian rejects his company. The two enter the plant, the plane of ease, where a smooth talker named Demas tempts them with silver. Christian and hopeful pass him by. Taking shelter for the night on the grounds of Doubting Castle, they awake to the threats of the castle owner, the giant Despair, who with the encouragement of his wife imprisons and tortures them. Christian and hopeful escape when they remember they possess the key of promise, which unlocks any door in Despair's domain. Proceeding onward, Christian and Hopeful approach the delectable mountains near the celestial city. They encounter wise shepherds who warn them of the treacherous mountains, error and caution, where previous pilgrims have died. The shepherds point out travelers who wander among tombs nearby, having been blinded by the giant despair. They warn the travelers to beware of shortcuts, which may be paths to hell. The two pilgrims meet ignorance, a sprightly teenager who believes that living a good life is sufficient to prove one's religious faith. Christian refutes him, and ignorance decides to avoid their company. The travelers also meet flatterer, who snares them in a net, an atheist who denies that the celestial city exists. Crossing the sleep-inducing enchanted ground, they try to stay awake by discussing hopeful sinful past and religious doctrine. One more paragraph. Christian and hopeful gleefully approach the land of Beulah, where the celestial city is located. The landscape teems with flowers and fruit, and the travelers are refreshed. To reach the gate into the city, they must first cross a river without a bridge. Christian nearly drowns, but Hopeful reminds him of Christ's love, and Christian emerges safely from the water. The residents of the celestial city joyously welcome the two pilgrims. In this conclusion to part one, the narrator expresses hope that his dream will be interpreted properly. Let's give her a hand for that. 
She reads good. She cooked good, too. <laughs> Just FYI. Okay. So tonight we want to focus on there, there are more than 11 obstacles that she read, but I, I'm just going to focus on 11 of them. You see them on your sheet. Everybody get a handout. And then you see them on the screen. There's 11 obstacles. And I think, putting this together, I think I faced all of them at least once in, in my life uh, since I got the Holy Ghost. And I got the Holy Ghost when I was 31 years old, uh, back in 1902, I think it was. <clears throat> So uh, we're going to drill down tonight and see what the Bible really says or warns or mentions just about these 11 obstacles that are mentioned on this journey. Say, I'm on a journey. Okay. So here we go. We're going to study the enemy tonight. Uh, the Bible tells us, um, the Bible never tells us that this journey is easy. Never. Now, I know there's a lot of prosperity preaching and a lot of easy believism, et cetera, et cetera, but the Bible never tells us that this journey is an easy journey. Yes, Jim? Straight. Difficult. Yeah, take up your cross. You know, he doesn't say take up your crown. He says take up your cross and follow me. So those preachers you need to kind of stay away from. We'll talk a little bit more about error uh, in a little while. In this, in, to, to further uh, understand this, when, when you get to the book of Revelation and Jesus dictates seven letters to seven churches, he gives them to John, and he uses, he uses the word repentance in all seven. Okay? And that's not the only word he uses in all seven letters. He uses the word overcome. To him that overcometh is in all seven letters. That does not sound like easy believism and just grab it, grab it, and grab it, and, and all that. It seems like we gotta we gotta work out our own salvation. We gotta fight the good fight, right? That's why we. That's why he gives us armor. So we can't. I don't. Do y'all find that scripture that bury your head in the sand and everything will be all right? That. What verse is that? That's. So we're not gonna do that. So. Um, <clears throat> Any verses, there are some verses, if you read them on a surface level, would sound like it's, you know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You'll find rest for yourself. Because there are some, some verses in Scripture, but you, when you read those, you need to read them with the understanding. That's not talking about your journey. That's talking about your inner, your heart, your inner man, your, your spirit man, okay? You can, you can have, we're going to read a few Scriptures, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. You can be surrounded by the enemy and still have the joy of the Lord, okay? And so don't misread scriptures and say, oh, Brother Bruce said that this, this was going to be a hard journey, and here's one that says it's not going to be hard. No, you know, the disciples all gave their life for this truth, amen? Y'all ever read Fox's Book of Martyr? So I'm not, I think you do more harm by teaching a, um, an easy faith. I, a guy said one time, said, I, it's easy to live for God hard, but it's hard to live for God easy. <clears throat> okay, uh, slide five is going to be our first obstacle that uh, the man's name was Christian in the dream that John Bunyan had, and that is the slew of despond. I knew you Yankees wouldn't know what a slew was. I'm from Louisiana. I know what a slew. My two sisters are watching tonight, and I promise you, they know what a slew is, okay? Have you ever watched uh, Swamp People? What's the name of it? Is it Swamp People? 
I know y'all have some monitors, some of y'all in your house. You swamp people. There's some sloughs that you'll see if you watch swamp people, okay? So I looked the definition up. It's a, it's a swamp. That's what a slough is. So a Christian comes to a swamp of despond. Now, we don't use the word. Do we use the word despond in our English? So I didn't know what despond was, so I had to look it up. It is uh, uh, to become dejected and lose confidence. Did I hit anybody with that one? I've been there. You know, to, <clears throat> to get discouraged, to get, feel dejected, uh, to feel like that your pastor don't love you, your wife don't love you, your kids don't love you, God don't even love you. You know, and that's, that's when you, the enemy is just pounding on you. He's just pounding on you. And the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 10, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. So we're told you're going to get attacked, and there's going to be temptations and attacks to try to get you to lose your faith and your confidence. But don't cast it away, because it has great reward. And it says, that for ye have need of patience. So there's a clue right there, Brother Kevin. You need some patience so you don't lose your confidence. What if six things in a row go bad? You flat tire, you run out of gas, you know, your boss calls you and fires you. All that happens. Like, remember Job? You remember Job? I mean, he lost 10 kids in, the, in the, about the fourth messenger that came to him within about 20 minutes. So uh, when the enemy plays, he doesn't really play fair. He just does, he, he can't do anything God doesn't allow. But uh, you're going to need patience for after that you have done the will of God that you might receive the promise. And that's what we're looking for. The promise is at the end of the journey. The real promise, the big promise, okay? We are on a journey. Our second obstacle is worldly wisdom, wise man, wise man, worldly wise man, which is worldly wisdom, I guess would be. In the, earthly wisdom appeals to the senses and the emotions. In contrast, wisdom that comes from God reflects him. While earthly wisdom says, just follow your heart, godly wisdom says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. 1 Corinthians 1, 19, <clears throat> for it is written, I will destroy, this is God, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. In Romans 8, 6, it says, for the carnal mind is, is, is death. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, so this worldly wisdom is, is carnality. It's carnal thinking. And if you get too close to the world, you're going to think carnal. I don't, it, you know, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to get fleas, okay? I'm from the south, all right? I can talk about dogs and frogs and, and swamps, okay? So if you're, if you're too close to the world, you're going to be carnally minded. And the Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. Okay? And the carnal mind will make you think that Elon Musk is your savior, okay? Or, 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 or Joe Biden uh, is your savior or somebody else. But your savior is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, because the carnal mind is, the in, is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Worldly wise man will get you in a whole lot of trouble in, in your faith walk, in your journey that we're talking about. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world and its wisdom and its rubies and its wealth, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is not 
of the Father. And we're talking about a spiritual walk here. You need to focus your mind on a spiritual walk, spiritual uh, obstacles uh, that we have to spiritually overcome. You got it? Spiritual journey, spiritual obstacles that we have to spiritually overcome. And some of those can manifest themselves in the flesh. Number three is monster Apollyon. I looked up Apollyon. It literally means the destroyer, the angel of the bottomless pit. So let's say that the Apollyon is Satan. Did he come and tempt Jesus? Hey, he hadn't eaten for 40 days. He said, hey, you want some bread? He hit him at his very lowest possible point. Okay, And then he tempts him with uh, giving him all the kingdoms and, and, and all, you know, three different temptations. So uh, do you think you're above Satan coming at you? Here's where Satan comes at us. He tells us, watch me now, you can be saved and still live a life of sin. Let me read you a scripture. 1 John 3, 8 and 9, I think it's on, on the screen. He that committeth sin is of the devil, is of the devil. Uh, the, the, the devil is the father of lies, and, and Jesus told the disciples that they were of their father, the devil. So he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. You say, well, I, I sin today. Well, guess what? If you don't repent of it, then you're going to be in trouble with God. Okay? And repentance is not asking God to forgive you, planning on doing it again. That's not repentance. Okay? The Bible says in Hebrews that if, if we willfully sin, there remaineth no more sacrifice. We cannot be apostolic and be living a lifestyle of sin. If you know it, you owe it. If you if you your known sins, you've got to get rid of them, and then once you get rid of those, God show you some more that you don't know about. Okay, so there's some there's some sins that to he, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Okay, so that's that's like water and gas. It don't so don't think that's the enemy telling you that's the devil when you say, well, I can. I can run around on my wife and still I can fake out that APC crowd, you know. They'll never know. I'm That's the devil. Anybody ever face the devil? Maybe you hadn't on that. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Here's your, here's your advice. Resist the devil. What will he do? You believe. He's powerless. Next obstacle. I mean, it's got quiet on me now. Whew. Starting to sweat. Obstacle number four, vanity. Well, what is vanity? Inflated pride in oneself or one's appearance. Conceit. Boy, that's a huge topic. Each one of these 11 could be an individual study that you spent the whole, spent months on, basically. But if you'll remember, pride was what got Satan kicked out of heaven when he was in heaven where there was no devil. He was the anointed cherub that covered, and the Bible says he was beautiful, and he got puffed up and arrogant because of his beauty. Well, who made him beautiful? God did. So, so pride gets him kicked out. Well, the scripture says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. You can be proud. You know, Larry Clark says, well, the guy who drives the 2023 Lexus and parks where everybody can see his car has pride. 
And then the guy that drives the hoopty and he parks in the back where nobody can see it has pride. See, we, this thing's not a one-way deal. See, I can, I can get up and sing if Jairus would ever let me and, and do so good. Everybody be coming up, pat me on. And I could get pretty, I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. They finally have recognized how good I am. And pride. It's pride. A pastor can be prideful about teaching or preaching or counseling. Uh, a piano player can be, you know, we have to guard that pride. I don't even like to use the word. You know, with your grandchildren, you always want to build them. I'm so proud of you. I, don't, I try not to even say that. You did good. Papa's happy. I don't even try to use the word. Because I think it's, it's, it's what got Satan kicked out of heaven, and it's pride goes before destruction. And it's everywhere you look. If you, if you say, I've never had a problem with pride, you've got a problem with lying. <laughs> There's six things that the Lord doth hate. Proverbs 6, 17. 6, 16, 6, 17. Seven are an abomination to him. What's the first one listed? A proud look. Obstacles, trying to throw you off track, trying to keep you from getting to where you're trying to get to. Your spirit man wants to go there so bad, and your flesh is, is, is in this old fallen world, in this old fallen nature, and we just got to fight the good fight. That's why we have the armor of God. Number uh, five obstacle is ease. You say, well, how can that be an obstacle? Well, ease means the absence of difficulty, but it also means something else. And I think this is the context in which the pilgrim's progress is referred to. It's the absence of effort. You see that right there? The absence of effort. So the Old Testament uh, prophet Amos says in 6.1, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. You know what that? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about people that come to church and don't do anything for God. Don't pay the tithes. Don't testify. Don't invite people. Don't. You know, just just show up to soothe their conscience and to and to make sure everybody knows they're still saved. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Ease. God calling you to win, so God calling you to do things, start a ministry, or to go to the pantry and and, and just sit there. Ah, oh, man, I, I want to go to McDonald's, eat me some French fries. Ease. At ease in Zion. It's one of our obstacles. You can't sit down on God because the way means that you're moving, Lisa. The, the word way means that you're, you ever heard of the word highway, byway, pathway? What's the word mean, Eric? Traveling. You're moving. You can't sit down in this kingdom. You've got to be moving towards the image of Christ, being conformed to the image of Christ, and then ultimately the, the trumpet sounds. Or you, your appointment comes. Y'all know what your appointment is, right? It's appointed unto every man wants to die. <clears throat> okay, Matthew uh, 25, 26. Y'all are very familiar with the parable of the talents. Jesus said, thou wicked and lazy, slothful, lazy, at ease, servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I had not strong. Romans 12 uh, 10 and through 12, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. This is written to the saints at Rome, honoring and preferring one another, not lazy or not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That doesn't sound like parking. See, the, parking is not an option. Being at ease, is that we got. there's a lost and dying world. 
There's people who have never heard the name of Christ. There's people strung out on drugs. There's people that need to hear the truth. Number six, how am I doing? Doubt, doubting Castle. Anybody ever had doubt? Sister Brenda, you ever had doubt? She's had doubt. Don't tell anybody. A feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Doubt. I don't think I... Moses had doubt, didn't he? When the Lord says, I want you to go lead those people out of Egypt. Moses said, well, I don't... Can't talk. I love God's response. You know what it was? Who made your mouth? Come on. If he calls you to do it, you can do it. Or else you're saying God's not very smart. Sister Beverly, if he calls you to do it, you can do it because he empowers you to do it. Anybody that is feeling a nudge to do something and is not doing it because they can't, then, then they're, they're saying either you're saying that's not coming from God, that nudge, or something's wrong with God because he, would, he should know I can't sing. You know, he should know not to call me to, do, uh, to teach a Bible study because, because I can't do it. He should know. <laughs> so, uh, doubting, uh, James, uh, did I read that other? I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Without wrath and doubting. James 1, 6 says, but let him ask uh, in faith, nothing waving. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So doubt is, is your enemy. It's your obstacle. You've got to get a solid foundation on the word and be able to give an account for what you believe to anybody that would ask you. Number seven. Am I doing okay? I'm just getting warmed up. We're going to be here till about 11, I think. <laughs> Number seven, giant despair. Now, Despond and despair. When I was studying this, Kevin, I didn't know, you know, was that, I thought they might be, they're not quite the same thing. Despair is the complete loss or absence of any hope. Just basically almost suicidal. Just no hope. No hope at all. First Corinthians tells us this, or Second Corinthians. But we have this treasure. Those that are on this straight and narrow path are we that are on this straight and narrow path, have something special. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. That sounds like a lot of problems all around us, doesn't it, Betty? But guess what? We got this treasure in earthen vessel, so we got to keep our hope. You always for the hope that's set before us. Colossians one twenty three. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard. So the enemy's going to try to steal your hope. He's going to try to cause you to doubt. He's going to try to cause you to be at ease. He's going to try to cause you to be prideful. The enemy's attacking, and he and he doesn't play fair. You can't say. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo, devil, you ain't supposed to do that. You can't do that. You got to, you got to be equipped. You got to know what to do to, to overcome. To him that overcometh, I'm going to give uh, the keys to the kingdom. 
All right, number eight is error and caution. Boy, do we have plenty of that in the world today, in the religious world today. Matthew 15, 14, Jesus said, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. Now, I'm talking about error among preachers and leaders and, and men of God that are standing behind the pulpit. Look at those. There's people that preach this and believe this, that once saved, always saved. I can take you to 25 verses. I think I showed all of them to Betty one time uh, that proved that's not true. Predestination. Predestination. People preaching and teaching that still today. No repentance. I told people that was kind of my litmus test. He said, well, who do you watch on TV? I said, nobody. He said, why? I said, none of them preach repentance. They all preach about money. I don't hear any of them preach. Repentance don't fill the the offering plate. Did you all notice that? If you tell somebody quit doing something they're doing wrong, that doesn't really add to the money. So there's errors down south. Errors. Miracles have stopped. Y'all know what they call that? A cessationalist. If they, if, you know, man, they come way too late to tell me that. <laughs> ah, the gifts, the nine spiritual gifts, miracles, answered prayer miracles have stopped after the early church. Cessation, and a lot of them are. A lot of them out there are. And here's what they teach and believe, that miracles stop, that you no longer can get healed of cancer. Don't need to be baptized. Don't need the Spirit. You got the Spirit just, uh, just when you believed. You just, there's no real hell. We're all going to go, God's a good God. Santa Claus. Prosperity. Just live for God, and you're going to have enough money to, you, you know, you're going to do anything. You're going to be able to go to Hawaii every year, Brother Kevin, if you just live for God. A lot of errors out there. And if you don't have your foundation, you'll fall for one of them or all of them. Can anybody say amen? amen? Ignorance. Ignorance is the lack of knowledge or information. Anybody here ever faced that one? I <laughs> Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest unto me. And then he goes on and says, I'll reject your children. Okay? But I'll stop reading. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I would not have you ignorant. So Paul didn't want the Corinthian church to be ignorant, 14 and 38. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. So in other words, you can't make somebody want to grow. You can't make somebody want to stay on the straight path. You can't make somebody want to be conformed to the image of Christ. If if they're determined to be ignorant, Paul said just let them be ignorant. That's why Jesus said, Shake the dust off your feet. You go into a city and people won't hear you. Hey, there's plenty of them out there that want to hear the message. Okay, So you, you're spending all your time with this one. You're beating your head against the wall. And the Lord said, no, no, give them an opportunity. They don't want to hear it. Shake that dust off and keep going. Uh, ignorance. People don't know how to rightly divide the word. You need to know how to rightly, Paul said, or Paul told Timothy, rightly divide the word of God. That's why I hear people say, I'd rather do what Jesus said than what Peter said when it comes to baptism. And I think, how stupid can you get? But I don't want to say that to them because it's hard to win souls when you call people stupid. (laughs) Or they'll say, "Um, the thief on the cross didn't get baptized. And I'll say, I'm thinking to myself, so what? 
because he didn't live under grace. See, so you, you, if you've never been taught rightly dividing the Word of God, I, I need to do a 30-minute session with you, and I'll be glad to do that. Anybody who's never been taught that, that will change your life, okay? Kind of like the tabernacle in the Old Testament will change your life. Um, Jesus commanded us to search the Scriptures. Paul told Timothy to study to show himself approved. Peter tells us, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. We are on a journey. Don't be ignorant. Don't sit down and park. Don't get weary in well-doing. Jesus said, he that endures until the end shall be. Who wants to be saved in here? Tom and Tammy. Tom and Tammy are the only two. The rest of y'all, y'all getting on that other bus, huh? <laughs> Number uh, 10, flattery, flatterer. Christian, this man in this book, Pilgrim's Progress, ran into a flatterer. Now, a flatterer is a person who lavishes praise, often insincerely. Uh, Psalms 12, 3, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. I wonder if that means cut off like with scissors. I don't know. Shall cut off all flattering lips and the, and the tongues that speak proud things. Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. I remember old brother G.A. Mangan, who is brother Anthony Mangan's father. And people would come up, man, that was so unbelievable, that message you preached or how you did this or that. And, and then and I, I remember him saying, he said, when they come up and tell me how great I am, and if I, he said, it just goes in this ear and out that. He said, when they come and tell me, tell me all I'm doing wrong and how bad I am, he said, it just goes in this ear and out that one. He said, I learned a long time ago. He said, you just don't look to the right. You don't look to the left. You just stay on it. You just listen to the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice. And he said, you don't worry about the critics. You don't worry about the flatterers. You just keep serving God. Keep you. you know, Peter walked on water as long as what, my, Michael, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he started looking at the, the, the problems, he sank immediately. So there's a flatterer out there. Number 11, and the last one, is the atheist. The atheist is a person who, everybody knows what an atheist is, lacks belief in the existence of a God. I didn't realize until I was doing this that there's two scriptures in Psalms that says the fool has said in his heart there is no, there is no God. So um, I hope we wouldn't have a problem with that, but I wouldn't hang out a lot with an atheist. I just guard my relationship with God. I, you know, you don't have to dislike them. You don't have to be rude to them. I just wouldn't fellowship a whole lot with an atheist. Um, so now let's talk about the solutions. So we got another four hours, and we'll be out of here. Um, the solutions. God Almighty told us to listen to his son. Did you know that, Betty? When Jesus started his ministry and he got baptized by John the Baptist, this voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, at the end of his ministry, this voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And then when you go to the book of Hebrews, the opening chapter, it says God talked to us all through the Old Testament with these old prophets, but now in these last days has spoken to us by his son. And it goes on to tell you how much greater Jesus was than the, than the angels. So I'm going to look at what Jesus told us. And these are things that I'm going to go through them real quick. So I know some of y'all are getting real worried. I'm going to have you out by 8 o'clock. I'm just messing with you. I saw Eric there. He was, he was looking for his car keys. <clears throat> so 
um, this, listen to me. These are 25 things that I found just going, just flipping through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 25 things. Yeah, he's starting there with number one. 25 things that will help you either avoid the obstacles or when you hit, you run into them, overcome the obstacles. And each one of these 25 could be a month-long study, okay? So these are, this, is, this is like an encapsulated overview. Uh, number one, uh, which starts with the Beatitudes, be poor in spirit. Now, what does that mean? That means recognize your need of God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I mean, get up and tell the Lord that. Now, Lord, today I'm not going to be able to do anything if, if you don't help me. Okay, so poor in spirit. Uh, uh, mourn. Say, well, God wants to walk around mourning all the time. Mourn your sin, the things in your life that you're trying to work on. You're supposed to mourn those. These are ways to get through this journey that we're traveling. Number three is to be meek which means to be humble or to be gentle or to be mild. You know, there's, this is in Scripture so much, a soft reply turns, turns away much wrath. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. I was, I was telling somebody they're not here tonight. The other day they had gotten kind of into a, uh, an argument with somebody about biblical things, and, and I said, you know, the Scripture says the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle. Uh, apt to teach, uh, you can't. You, you can win the argument and lose the war. You can win the win the battle and lose the war. Okay, and he said, "Oh, I messed up." So the meek, be comfortable in your own skin and be comfortable with who you are in Christ. Meek. The a lot of times the the unmeek is because we're not where we need to be spiritually on this journey, you can be meek uh, and still uh, get your point across, okay? Number four is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Um, there's not much I need to, to, you know, that's just a desire. That's just waking up and, and seeking the Lord. Uh, number five is to be merciful. You're going to get the mercy the same way you dish it out. So when somebody does something you don't like and you're unmerciful toward them and you're going to make them pay by not speaking to them for six months, then that's how God's going to deal with you. You're going to get what you give. So be merciful. Just water off a duck's back. Just be tansy. Be merciful. Um, pure, pure in heart. Get your heart right. There's junk that wants to get up in there and clog it up, Sister Adina. Just Keep your heart right before God. Be a peacemaker. Uh, there's so many times, my pastor back in Alexander would say, walk around with a, uh, you can walk around with a bucket of water or a bucket of gas. And if there's a fire, you can throw the gas on. That's going to be a problem. Or you can throw the water on. Be a peacemaker. So next time you think about, man, I could really make this, you know, I got a decision here. Am I going to be a peacemaker or not? Think about that analogy of that bucket of water and that bucket of gas. Which one am I going to put on that fire? You know, gossip's a real good way to start a, start a big fire. Stay salty. If, a, if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing anymore, right? It's just 
What's it good for? Jesus told us to throw it out and walk on it. It might fill up some mud holes. I don't know what it's good for other than that after it loses its saltiness. Salt makes you thirsty, right? Salt, what, what are some things that salt's good for, Dina? It makes you thirsty. Well, if people get around you, they should get thirsty. I'm not talking about for H2O. All right, some of y'all get it tomorrow sometimes. Uh, salt also is a de-icer. I help people melt some callousness and some cold hearts that they have. <clears throat> Stay salty. Number nine, don't hide your light. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father which is in heaven. Don't light your light. How much sense does that make? And put it under a bushel. It's kind of like, why would you light it if you go hide it? You know, it's, you light it so you can see. Uh, number 10, don't be angry with your brother. Just get over it. In 100 years, nobody will even remember your name, and they sure won't remember your fight with your brother. Don't commit adultery. Don't swear. Let your yay be yay. You, you people, and I, I do it sometimes, and you say, I promise. You, you don't need to say that. Let your yay be yay, and your nay be Miguel. Did I say your name right that time? If I say something to you, I better back what I say. I don't need to say, you know, anything else. Now, I might need to say, if the Lord will, then we're going to play pickleball because that's scriptural. We, we're presumptuous if we if the Lord. But if I say I'm going to try to be there at 5 o'clock, then I need to call you if I can't be there at 5 o'clock. I'm not going to promise to be there at 5 o'clock. I'm just going to be there if I say it, okay? So don't... Um, don't swear. Uh, love your enemy. Anybody ever have any trouble loving their enemy? Christy, how are you doing on loving your enemies? Christy and Crystal, I'm going to pick y'all out. And Regina, you too. You love your enemies? No, they're not answering. They're not talking to me. <laughs> Give alms in secret. When's the last time? Don't raise your hand. I know we got some amazing People love the kingdom. When's the last time you gave some money or bought gas for somebody or did something for somebody and nobody knew about it? You didn't tell one soul. Don't answer it. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Betty says every time she helps somebody, she puts it on Facebook. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, give alms in secret. Pray in secret. Uh, where am I at? Forgive, number 16, forgive. And we know, I, you know, I taught a whole lesson on forgiving. So you got to forgive. These are ways to help us avoid these obstacles or overcome them. Fast in secret. Jesus is very explicit about that. Don't go around with your face all contorted, looking like you've been eating a, a dill pickle. <clears throat> 18, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, what's he saying there? It needs to be number one in your life. Your relationship with God needs to be number one. Now, that doesn't mean that you uh, abandon your duties to your family. It just means God's first. When he calls you to do something, when he opens the doors. <clears throat> number 19, judge not. I'm about to lose my voice. Judge not. The way that you judge is the way that you're going to be judged. Ask, seek, and knock. Beware of false prophets. 
Let me assure you, in 2023, there's lots and lots of those out there. Beware of false prophets. That means get your antenna up. Dr. Awesome, get your antenna up. There's false prophets out there. Hear Jesus. Hear him. And then number 25, do what he says. And he concludes. I just gave you a quick synopsis of 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew 5. Chapter 5, 6, and he concludes that thing with the most powerful thing when you understand it. He said, and he's referring to all five chapters, or all three chapters from 5, 6, and 7. He said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he's going to be like a man who's built his house on a rock, who made it through the journey. And, and the winds came, the obstacles came, the 11 and, and more than that came. And it stood, but the guy who hears these things of mine and doeth them not is going to be like a man that built his house on sand. And the winds came, and they blew, and they beat on the house, and it fell because sand doesn't make a real good foundation. And so if you read um, where he concludes chapter 7 about talking about building your house on the rock, and you understand that he's talking about doing what I just covered here in chapter 5, 6, and 7, it'll really change the whole way that you, that you view that, that, that Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, most people believe is his most powerful uh, teaching that he, that he taught, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, uh, so who's going on this journey? Y'all know I'm through and I got five minutes or four minutes. Who's, who's going on this journey? Who's, who's got their mind? Is Regina going? Come on now. Regina's going. Jared, you staying here? You going? You going? Everybody going? I want y'all to go with me, okay? I don't want to go. I want to go. Can I go with y'all? Let's all go, cause it's uh, it's gonna be a better day. See, it's uh, I believe that. I don't believe that streets of gold and gates of pearl, walls of jasper. I don't think that's just stuff in the book. I think that's real stuff. I think when he said, "I've gone away to prepare you some mansions, and I'm gonna come again," I think he's telling the truth. And uh, so it's all about once you're born again, once you're in the kingdom, it's all about the journey. And there's a real enemy that's trying to knock you off of that straight and narrow path. Amen. That's you too, Shu. He's after you, especially you because you have that technology problem, you know. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Lord, you're so good. Thank you for giving us uh, advice, direction, instruction. Help us to heed it, to hear it, to know it to build our life upon it, increase our faith. I pray for our families. I pray, Lord, for our pastor and for the camps. I ask you, Lord, to uh, breathe on this church and let us be uh, have the joy of the Lord and overcome evil with good and resist the devil and he'll flee from us. I ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming.